we could check that out or you should check that out. Uh, what else? A Venn diagram to rule them all. We have to start with the Venn diagram to rule them all. So if you're imagining a Venn diagram, imagine like a circle that says, you know, like chocolate cereal and another circle that says like honey and another circle that says pizza. And in the middle, it would be like things that Mark likes, right? And, and they overlap, right? Things that Mark li- likes. And that's the commonality, right? These, these things may appear different or maybe they're the same, right? And here's what we're talking about. And here's this Venn diagram to rule them all. This is 2024 in a Venn diagram. And at the top circle is 1984 and they live and Fahrenheit 451. I've never heard of Brazil, right? And on the right, it's Idiocracy and Soylent Green and Mad Max, yeah. And Hunger Games on the bottom circle, Lord of the Flies, Animal Farm. And then on the left circle, Brave New World and The Matrix. And I think I said they live already. And right in the middle of all of that madness, you are here. I'm actually kind of surprised Fight Club's not in there. I think Fight Club would be better than Brazil Fight Club because it's kind of, that that whole movie is a quasi reality reality right i think it's very very interesting how all of this fiction really lines up with what's happening in our modern world very very interesting indeed we have to talk about invasions now we're going to talk about what's going on with the eritreans in the hague because something happened with the eritreans in the hague very similar to what happened in canada there were people with rocks and sticks and they were fighting and big gangs were having a big protest over something that happened in eritrea And that's interesting. And the context of all of this happening is Justin Trudeau. And I mean, it's not happening in Canada, but it did happen in Canada. And it's funny to me that Justin Trudeau is talking about keeping Canadians on board and positive about immigration. And the context in the rest of the world is it's a disaster. And Canada is leading into it harder than anybody else. And it's a disaster, right? Like there's a tent city in downtown Guelph and nobody seems to be doing anything to, to deal with that proactively at all. And that's notable because there was a time when that would be completely intolerable. Here's Justin Trudeau talking about immigration. And somebody says he uses his quiet, serious voice and everything like, Ugh, are you convinced now? Right. Sure. So here's Justin Trudeau talking about immigration. It's about a minute and a bit. Here we go. We're going to always need and benefit from tremendous immigration. But the most important responsibility we have as a federal government is to make sure that Canadians themselves remain strong and positive and confident about immigration because it's one of the huge advantages we have as places around the world are turning away from immigration. We need to show that our capacity to welcome people in and have them succeed and contribute, which is all they want to do, is maintained. And that's why we're making some of those adjustments to make sure we're on strong contribute okay so he, he says they want to succeed and contribute here is a video taken in new york um, new york city by this reporter and mischief says five-star treatment for the felons illegal immigrants who are invading our country now we know why biden claims bidenomics are working so this is in spanish but he's there's a an english um translation sorry i was trying to see over my I have another screen in front of the screen and I couldn't see the controls. So I'm going to mute it and I'll read the question and answer. So the question is, how long have you been staying here at the Rowe Hotel? And they say, I arrived in July. This is Spanish. They're saying, how many months is that? Seven months. And you have had to pay, and have you had to pay rent? No, no, nothing. I haven't paid anything. It's 100% free. Yes. And they give you lunch and breakfast? Yes. And they give the children personal items, diapers, whatever he needs. In the hotel, do they clean the rooms? Yes, every day they clean. 
change the bed sheets. Every, every day they do that? Yes, every day. Have you been able to get a job? No, no, not me, no. If you had a medical problem, how would you receive help? Well, with the, kind of look at each other, the medical insurance, Medicare. We have the Metro Plus, and, the, and that covers the children's needs. We also have benefits from that. Do you feel supported thanks to our president? Well, yes, because we aren't working or anything. And he's the one helping us. So, I mean, they just want to contribute and not have jobs and things like that. Um, so that's notably, actually, notably, that's two women with children. Most of the time that you see this, most of the time that you see um, migrants, etc., it looks like this. They, these, are, these are single men. Uh, oh, and there's a child walking, right? Walking across the border. So there you go. Um, here is what's going on in The Hague. And this is Eva. And she says, Eritrean gangs in are rioting in The Hague right now. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We need mass deportations. Here's that. The person filming gets a rock thrown at him right at the end there. Did you see that? David says, more disturbing scenes from The Hague as Eritreans riot over the Tigray elections. That's happening in Eritrea. And it's this is daytime. The last clip I showed was nighttime. So apologies for it being out of order. I'm trying for it not to be too loud. Here's, here's that daytime footage. It's almost like 28 days later, right? The fast running zombies. Carry on. Here's uh, Persephone. She says Netherlands Eritrean migrants are rioting in the streets, destroying the country that gave them shelter because of election results in Eritrea. Nothing says thank you as well as a riot, right? So they've lit buses on fire, cars on fire, and police and fire um, fire people are here trying to put things out re as the video is being recorded. So they're here to contribute, but they're not working. And sometimes when elections don't go their way, they riot. Interesting. This happened in Canada. Bill Tufts is highlighting this and thankfully tagging me. So thanks, Bill. He says, uh, Calgary and Toronto riots, Israel deported them immediately. So this is, uh, yeah, Israel de deporting them. Why were Eritrean fractions fighting on the streets of Israel's Tel Aviv? And so there was a whole newspaper article about that. In Canada, uh, Global News reports, an Eritrean festival in Toronto turned violent. Here's what we know. That was two days running. And the second day they had police presence and it still got violent. <laughs> Um, Calgary News, all hell was breaking loose. Rival Eritrean groups clash in Northeast Calgary Saturday night. And here's another one, National Post. Polyev Tables housing bill aimed at speeding up construction of new homes. So he's, he's not helping, not helping at all. Interesting though, right? So we've got Eritrean gangs who go off and all of a sudden start rioting all over 
the world. And it's not just Tel Aviv. It's not just The Hague. It's not just isolated places in Canada. I mean, it's major cities in Canada, Calgary, Toronto. So that's pretty wild. And I mean, even smaller cities. Do you know in Guelph, there was a vandalism situation with pro-Palestinian messaging being put all over Guelph in bus, like wherever city advertisements went, the vandals went and replaced it with pro-Palestinian messaging. And people are very upset and people are making, you know, social media commentary and all the rest of this stuff. And I just think it's really interesting how that, not it didn't used to be a problem because, you know, bad messaging and whatever, there's always people who disagree with whatever messaging for advertising and people who are committing um, vandalism or replacing advertising. I don't know that that's happened before, but I'm sure it has. Like there's, there's been protests where that's happened before. I remember in the, during the Olympics, things like that happened in London, England, and so on and so forth. So that's, that's not necessarily new or, or out of the ordinary, but what's out of the ordinary is how radical it all seems and how all of the politicians look the other way for certain certain things it's okay to protest. And it seems to me, this is a long way to get there, so apologies. It seems to me like the Black Lives Matter thing. Like when Black Lives mattered, then COVID didn't matter. You know what I mean? And everybody was like, we're going to the protest at City Hall and we are going to be masked and safe, but we're going to go protest. And I was like, well, if you can do that, you can go to a grocery store right? Like you idiots. And if you could do that, you can protest against these mandates. If it's safe to protest for Black Lives Matter, it's safe to protest for other reasons too. But that was absolutely verboten. You weren't allowed to say that. Case in point, like the whole YouTube, my whole YouTube channel got shut down and so on and so forth. But it's one of those things where I shouldn't have been surprised, but they'll go and they will remove people and remove their rights in certain situations and bolster other people's rights in certain situations. And this feels just like that. It feels like it's being fostered. It feels like the division has a purpose and they're trying to water it like a plant, you know, like get stronger division. Um, I meme, therefore I am, says San Francisco appoints first non-citizen to serve on elections commission. Kelly Wong, who came to the U.S. in 2019 from China and isn't legally allowed to vote, will be overseeing and creating policy for the San Francisco Department of Elections. Wong is an immigrant, uh, is, Wong is immigrant rights advocate who wants to educate other immigrants who don't speak English about the voting process. <laughs> Imagine the people who, like, if you don't speak Chinese and she's from China, not a citizen, hasn't, you know, done the requisite work to become a citizen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Who's to say she's not an asset here to, uh, to further the, the divide, further the splintering? Who's to say that what she's telling the people who she's teaching about, you know, American elections, et cetera, is, is above board and accurate, right? Is there anybody monitoring this? Like, oh yeah, come on in. No, we know you're not a citizen. It's cool. Seems round the bend to me. Imagine that people who don't want to integrate by doing the least and learn the language um, will be deciding on the future of American, of an American, on the future of voting for an American city. It's insanity. It's insanity. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it makes sense in the context of let's destroy this Western world through mass migration. If that's what your goal is, well, their plans are coming along tickety boo. Here's Justin Trudeau. This is a different part of the same speech talking about how immigration super um, bad or no, super good and fear and division won't deliver results for Canadians. So here's Trudeau again. Fear, division, anger, not going to solve any of the very real problems we're facing. 
doesn't create a single job in a green economy. Doesn't help uh, a kid who's facing existential identity questions every time they look in the mirror from feeling valued and loved in their community. Doesn't help a small business person optimistic about opening a new shop on a downtown street when they don't know how long their plate glass window is going to last because of crime. Amplifying fear and division and... Like, he's the one advocating to bring people who riot over who knows what at public festivals and parks, right? And who riot in The Hague. And he's saying... It's hard to open a business when you're not sure how long your plate glass window is going to last. Well, if there's riots, if there's no customers because people are fearful of going outside, people are fearful of whatever the current protest is, then that's not great either, right? It just seems, it seems like Justin Trudeau is very, very capable of turning blinders on to the problems of his own policy and projecting all of the issues onto either Stephen Harper or now Pierre Polyev. And I don't want to listen to him anymore, so we'll carry on. <laughs> Alex Pearson is responding to this. Pro-Hamas supporters in Toronto chant chanting, settlers, settlers, go back home. This is a call to expel all Jews from Israel. Prior to the establishment of the state of Israel, over 700,000 Jews were expelled, blah, 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 blah. Um, Alex says, once upon a time saying, go back home, would get one canceled. Now, normal. So, okay, so... It's okay to say, it, it's okay for the politicians to kind of tacitly agree with these kind of protests. It's all right for that. But if I said, we should probably deport these people who are having riots in our streets and who are currently rioting in, in The Hague and in the Netherlands, et cetera, et cetera, we should deport the people who are non-citizens. We should regain control of things. That would be looked at as intolerant, right? But looking the other way on this, that's fine weird right like that's just a weird juxtaposition in my in my opinion okay moving on a little bit like we have to talk about war rothmas says if the history of mass shootings is sufficient is a sufficient justification to disarm individuals then the history of war and democide is an even stronger justification to, dis to disarm the state those who would disarm the individual but not the state are more interested in control than safety or peace and yeah, I think that that's fundamentally it. But I think that what's going on as well is we're having a we're having our countries in the West seated with people who are used to seeing chaos, used to seeing more violence, et cetera, et cetera. And I I have a feeling. Well, I watched this video yesterday. Yesterday, just to jump ahead really quickly, this video yesterday that talked about the Geno psyop, and he says in the middle of it, he's talking about. Once the grocery stores don't have any food left over anymore, and if a real collapse happens, like a real, we're talking like a real collapse, you know, then nothing matters. After seven days of no food in the grocery stores, everybody's kind of in survival mode. And then a lot of people will die for various reasons, very, because access to water becomes scarce. The electricity could potentially turn off if the grocery stores are empty and people are riding for food and trying to protect their home and protect the food that they have, so on and so forth. And maybe the electricity doesn't get turned on because nobody's going to work anymore, right? So that's what he's saying. So fundamentally, he's, he's saying that if, if the worst happens, then all of the kind of politics of all this doesn't matter anymore. Who's Mayorkas? Who's, 
you know, who are all these people that you're blaming this on? Like, fundamentally, I'm just worried about getting food for tomorrow, buddy. You know, like, it's it's an interesting kind of situation um, to to be barreling into after after living an entire life of, of peace, basically. Um, but we're, we're watching the state utilize censorship at a level that is unprecedented and dangerous. We're watching the state engage in in backing Ukraine against Russia, despite Russia trying to negotiate peace or come to a peace agreement in, in 2022. Um, and, and since then too, um, even on Tucker Carlson, um, Putin said that he was open to a peace deal. And that's being ignored to reframe Putin as the bad guy and say Tucker's a Putin apologist and so on and so forth. So it's it's even more dangerous than the disarming of the individual because we're kind of seeing that already from a weaponized state already. And they're trying to censor people who are trying to suss out the reality of the situation we find ourselves in. And it's very dangerous. And and I wouldn't trust these people because of what they've done, the steps that they, they've taken to take control of absolutely everything under false pretenses. Um, Bonnie says... AHS central zone. And this is a good example of that. Okay. So this is a COVID stuff, COVID regulations being enforced on a small business uh, by AHS and the RCMP. So this is Danielle Smith's territory. You got to wonder, right? What's going on? Um, So Bonnie says, AHS central zone director, David Brown, that's this guy, I think, with RCMP constable Walker, uh, harass the Pachoke family at Stacy's Happy Place for having a bar of soap at their hand-washing sink. A director with a cop, a director who is named in Stacy's upcoming judicial review case against the AHS. Conflict. Maybe. Maybe there's a conflict. So he's upset that there's a bar of soap and it should just be liquid soap. And these guys are like, are you kidding? Like we're being visited to, because of this violation, blah, 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 blah. It's wild stuff. And so this is the kind of tyranny. It seems innocuous. It's like, oh, we're just doing our job. We just got to check these boxes and you've got to check them too. But it's tyrannical and it's nonsensical. And these people surely don't have the jurisdiction to dictate to a business what soap they can offer their customers, right? Like what an unbelievable turn of events in a supposedly free country. Here's this interaction. I hope it's loud enough. Because these are rationale and guidelines. No, Your entire reference. thing is a guideline. It is not a law. You can sit there and look all contrived mm-hmm. and nodding, and yes, that's fine. Uh, no, and when you guys started picking on us over COVID, those were mandates too, not law. What's in this that is statute to a statutory law? Barsley. No, it is and? not. And? Sure is. Paper towel. And? and? Liquid, and liquid soap. soap. And liquid soap. Thank you. So that meets the requirement. Wow. So we're in re- so you can just that. remove the bar of soap. But I use the bar remove of soap. Remove the bar of soap. What, no, we've been through this there. because we have health issues that require us to use all natural bars of soap. So that is for us. Thank you. That has already been established. So we I'm went through stuff, that. I'm not going to use the stuff that we provide for our customers. I will use something for me. So if that bar of soap's in there, where's the offense? There is liquid soap. There are single-use disposable paper towels in a sink in there as prescribed by your regulations. Where's the violation? It says it right there. <laughs> It says liquid it right sink. There. Yeah, it's okay, liquid there's no sink. arguing Did with you this. See it? 
Can you go look right now? Did you go look? Would you like to go verify? No, you really need to. Look, it's there on the sink. Did you see it? Yes. There it is. There is liquid sink so present on that sink. Therefore, it's in compliance, correct? I'm going to suggest that what we're, we're trying to do is we're establishing that, that the type of dispenser and the soap being used in this facility meets minimum requirements. And, is it? and if you are using bar soap, it's not at a minimum that we expect. Okay, well, well that's the above and beyond then. You have both. Bar soap is typically a fomite that allow the uh, microorganisms from your hands to go on to another food handler hands. And a quick Google search results, if you lather it up properly, there are no. It The requirement is that itself. everybody working in here as a food handler has liquid hand soap. Yeah, and they soap use there. the liquid hand soap. And it's there. And I just heard from Colin that he uses the bar soap. Honestly, honestly, these people, right? And they will walk around and say they're right. And I believe that the people talking about providing both liquid and bar soap is above and beyond. And they're saying they can't use the bar soap. The bar soap is bad. Get the bar soap out. The bar soap is bad. You believe them? Is that, is that founded? I don't know. I don't know. I would say no, but I'm not an expert. So David this is uh, talking about Ukraine. David said, a war of lies. The war in Ukraine is based on lies, lies about how it started, how it's going, and how it will end. We're told that Ukraine is winning when, in fact, it's losing. We are told that the war makes NATO stronger when, in fact, it's depleting it. We are told that Ukraine's biggest problem is a lack of funding from the U.S. Congress when, in fact, the West can't produce enough ammunition, a problem that will take years to fix. We're told that Russia is suffering greater casualties when, in fact, Ukraine is running out of soldiers, another problem money can't fix. We are told that the world is with us when, in fact, the global majority believe U.S. policy is the height of folly. We are told that there is no opportunity to make peace when, in fact, we, the West, have rejected multiple opportunities for a negotiated settlement. We are told that if Ukraine keeps fighting, it will improve its negotiation position when, in fact, the terms will only get much worse than what was already available and rejected. Nevertheless, the lies will succeed in dragging out the war. Congress will appropriate more funds. Russia will take more territory. Ukraine will mobilize more young men and women to feed into the meat grinder. Discontent will mount. Eventually, there will be a crisis in Kiev, and the Zelensky government will be toppled. And then, when the war is finally lost, and the whole country lays in smoldering ruins on a, fun on a funeral pyre of their own making, the liars will say, well, we tried, having prevented... Any alternative, having smeared anyone who told the truth as puppets for the enemy, the liars will say, we did our best, we stood up to Putin. In fact, they will claim we would have succeeded but for the fifth column of Putin apologists who stabbed the Ukrainians in the back. Then, having shifted blame and patted, the, patted themselves on the back, they will blithely move on to the next war as they moved on to Ukraine after their disasters in Afghanistan and Iraq. The lies are comprehensive, but they will work. And Elon Musk says, accurate. Um, I don't know if that lends credibility or not, but it, yeah, it's it. This happened in Iraq. It did. It happened in Iraq. Exactly this, right? They they patted themselves on the back, and they all got moved into positions to advise Trump, basically. <laughs> um, so I mean, no new wars under Trump, but he a lot of the a lot of the neocons from that era were back in the White House, back in the behind the scenes, et cetera, et cetera, and in all sorts of positions. Um, David says Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, is more popular than in the West than Biden, Sunak, Johnson, Trudeau, von der Leyen, or Zelensky. So that's shocking. It's not shocking at all. 
not shocking at all. Persephone says there's no money for services that you need. Your road tax went to the Ukraine, $12 billion in counting. The Telegraph is reporting no bottomless pit of cash to pay for UK pothole problem, says Rishi Sunak. So the, the road looks terrible. Like, is that really the roads in England or is that just an extreme example? I've, I've not seen. And it's been more than a decade since I've been to England. And when I was there, the roads did not look like that. But if they look like that now, holy cow, that's intolerable. <laughs> And I mean, yeah, the money is going to Ukraine, right? And that's that's my issue as well. There's no accountability, none whatsoever. Cat Turd is retweeting Alex Soros, and he says, there it is. Soros says, great to meet Ukrainian foreign affairs minister, this guy, in Munich. We must not abandon Ukraine, they say. So the war will continue, right? Wow. GB News is talking about all this as well. Biden mourned Navalny. I think I nailed it that time. Navalny. I've listened like three or four times. I was like, okay, that's his name. Navalny. Biden mourned Navalny's death and said, even in prison, he was a powerful voice for truth. An interesting statement while journalist Julian Assange, who published Inconvenient Truths uh, or Truths Inconvenient to the US and to the West, presently rots in Belmarsh prison. So on one side, you've got this color revolutionist who's caught on film saying, we can do a color revolution in Russia. You just have to pay me. Where's Victoria Newland? Get her on the phone, right? And the MI6 guy was like, yeah, let's do that. Uh, they're trying to paint him as a hero where Julian Assange is a misinformation fiend, right? And he's a villain and he's supposed to rot in Belmarsh. And I think that that's quite an astute juxtaposition as well. There's really something to be said for ignoring the one side of things while making a huge political meal out of the other. Also, as Neil Oliver says here, the Navalny, nailed it again, is absolutely not seen as a good guy in Russia. So yesterday I was talking about this and I was saying like, isn't he a globalist? Like if you put this in a different context, isn't Putin the make Russia great again candidate comparable to Trump? Isn't Putin trying to protect against the same globalists that Trump is kind of trying to fight here, if you're looking at it honestly? And isn't Navalny representing the globalists' like aspirations, basically? Like, this is their color revolution. This is their guy. This is the guy they want Russia to back. And I think that that's, yeah. And, I th- and, and that's what Neil Oliver says, too. So, yeah. I, it's one of those things where I wasn't sure yesterday and I think I'm, I'm more sure now, but I'm still, I mean, I'm a couple of orders of magnitude away from Russian politics and all the rest of it, but I think I do have this one right. So anyway, here's Neil Oliver very quickly talking about, I can't remember his name, Navalny. Ah, here we go. Russian dissident Alexei Navalny has died in prison. U.S. President Joe Biden was quickly thrust in front of the world's media to exploit that death to justify the sending of yet more billions of dollars to Zelensky's Ukraine. He said, we have to provide the funding so Ukraine can keep defending itself. History is watching. The failure to support Ukraine at this crucial moment will never be forgotten. Former President Donald Trump was impeached in 2019 before any Russian tanks had crossed the Ukrainian border for pausing funds already earmarked for Ukraine. $391 million in security assistance, $250 million through the Department of Defence's Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative, and $141 million through the State Department's Foreign Military Financing Programme. 
Trump paused all of that because he wanted to investigate alleged Biden family links to Ukraine and was subsequently impeached. According to Republican Senator J.D. Vance, a new bill proposed by the Biden administration guaranteeing a further $61 billion to Ukraine, money earmarked primarily for US arms manufacturers, has within it a clause leaving any attempt by a future president to halt that funding vulnerable to similar proceedings. This has been described as future-proofing the funding of Ukraine against the possibility that Trump or anyone else in future seeks to interrupt the flow of dollars to Ukraine. Biden mourned Navalny's death. Even in prison, he was a powerful voice for the truth, he said. An interesting statement, while journalist Julian Assange, who published Truth Inconvenient to the US and the West, presently rots in Belmarsh prison as he fights extradition to the US. I'm not yet aware of Biden mentioning, far less lamenting, the death in a Ukrainian prison of US citizen and writer Gonzalo Lira, who was critical of the Zelensky regime. Right. And there's other examples, I'm sure, right? And there are people who are upset with Gonzalo Lira being, um, being removed. This is... Hello, everyone. Thanks very much for watching. This is just a short version of a longer show. If you'd like to get the whole show, you can go over to canadapoly.com and sign up for a subscription. Just look in the drop-down tab for shop and donate and look for subscriptions and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful.